closer. Yeah, okay, now we're up. Closer to the mic. Good morning, it's uh, Saturday morning, February 6th, 2021. It is the See Where It Goes podcast, a podcast where we press record and hope for the best. Yes, we hope for the best. It's 5.18 a.m. And I've been up since 3 a.m., but I did go to bed at 9 p.m., so I've been sleeping yeah. like six hours and then you a woke night. Me up too, so. Did I wake you up? I don't I know. But I mean, to. I don't think I'd normally wake up at that hour, but I went to bed at 9 learning my lesson that if you're going to be waking up at 3 or 4, I. Oh, I, you did? You came in? I thought. I went to bed at 9. Oh, you 20. did? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you came into the room, and I was assuming you had stayed awake longer. So, um, yes, we're here in San Antonio, Texas. And, uh, Which is a very lovely city, by the way. It is, it is very nice. It was lovely on. We went out for your birthday. You turned 50 on Thursday, and oh we were out. Oh, my gosh. It was 85 degrees Fahrenheit. That up. What, are you doing? what are you doing over there? <laughs> Scratching my leg. Okay. Um, so we, uh, yeah. Um, yes, I turned what? 50 yeah. on Thursday. Was it Thursday that I turned 50? It was Thursday, yeah. Yeah. And uh, we went out. It was a gorgeous day, and... I haven't had, well, we lived in Chicago for over 20 years, and then we lived in Colorado for five years, and so 27 years of my life, I've had pretty crappy weather on my birthdays, and so, because February is not a, a great month for good weather, Yeah. but this year, I hit the jackpot. You did okay. It was sunny. It got into the lower 80s. And I have to say, I was very, very pleased. And I had a very excellent, beautiful birthday. And uh, we went to lunch at a place called Taco Taco here in San Antonio. And it's not much to look at. It's kind of yucky, run-down looking place. It's like on, a diner, yeah. On Hildebrand. But it's very authentic. And that guy from with the with the bleached hair. Oh yeah, Guy Fieri from Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives. He went there and, and gave a yeah. good review. So it's got outstanding. My puffy tacos were really good. They weren't as good as the first time I went there years ago. Yeah, but it was very good. Well, Brian, I think I think he rated their breakfast tacos. I think. Oh, did he? Yeah. Well, I, I, mean, I had, he I had, had those. And they weren't great. But, anyway. but I have I get the El Norteño. I think it is. It's like a big beef fajita type taco thing and a homemade flour tortilla and then they have this really well seasoned beef in there with some refried beans avocado and cilantro and then they give you lime wedge and there's onion and bell pepper and it's so simple but it's really good it is good yeah so delicious and then that night we went down to the pearl Mm -hmm. and it was it was just fantastic yeah, so we ate outside at the Mexican place, and then we went to the Pearl. We sat outside, and there's a food hall there that has a bunch of different types of food. Anyway, we got a mango margarita, or I did. Well, you got one, too. Yeah. With Chamboy, I think it is. I don't really know what it is, but it's like a red, spicy syrup type thing that you put in the margarita. And oh my gosh, so good. Yeah. I had two of those, and then we all got food from different places in the food hall. Yeah, it was very nice. What did you have to eat? 
I had a roti. Butter, yeah, chicken, a, and... Uh, what's a roti? It's a wrap. Yeah, it's a wrap. A Caribbean wrap. I had never had one before. I had That's one right. for the, the first time wrap on is Wednesday amazing. night, uh, I think. No, Tuesday night. <clears throat> what is that wrap made of? It The texture's I great. I don't know. It's like the Caribbean tortilla. Oh, it's great. But it's Whatever the... flaky. Oh, yeah, it's great stuff. And it's buttery. I would go back for another one of those. Oh, my gosh. They're amazing. They're very good. And, um, and then you can put... You pick what kind of meat you want. Like you can put uh, different kinds of chicken, Jamaican jerk chicken, butter chicken. You can put, um, they had pineapple glazed pork. But anyway, you choose your meat, you choose your rice, toppings, and um, sauces. And everything's very, you know, flavorful. Like Yeah. Avocado cream, mango salsa, like all kinds of tropical Caribbean yeah, yummy stuff. And it's incredible. So yeah, that's what we did. So I had, a, I had a very perfect birthday. It was a great day. Great. Yeah. Yeah, and Brian took me shopping too. Last Saturday. Yeah, I got a bunch of new clothes. So... That was like eight hours of shopping, wasn't it? Yeah, it was I exhausting. Hate why, is, why is it so tiring? Shopping. I would have rather. I, I think I would have. I would have been less tired if I ran ten miles that day. You think so? Well, because running's five. probably energizing. It energizes you, whereas shopping is not energizing at yeah, all. Yeah, you're just kind of standing back and forth and wobbling and stuff and looking for well, a chair. You're, yeah, you're not. You're not doing anything. Like we never go shopping together. Yeah. Ever. Well, because I don't really go shopping. I go to thrift shopping, which I love more, actually, than buying new clothes. Yeah. But I bought new clothes, which is funny because my mom, yesterday on the phone, she called me on my birthday the day after my birthday. But she said, asked me, did I actually buy clothes? Because I told her you had taken me shopping. Yeah. She goes, well, did you actually buy clothes? Oh, she asked in my family, oh, she, oh, she, oh, I'm known as the person who never buys yeah. no, you did. clothing and yeah. never buys new clothing. So I told her, I said, yeah, mom, I actually bought new, new stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah. All right. That was fun. I said, mom, I'm going to buy more stuff too, by the way. You are? Yeah, I'm not finished. Already? Yeah. When you go, you know, do I have to go? No, you don't have to go. You're released from okay, your duty. Good. That's good to hear. From your shopping duty. What else? Well, I completed a new painting this week, which I absolutely love. And um, I'm going to create more of those. More paintings, you know. Yeah. I'm kind of, what are you doing? You're reading in your journal. I'm just flicking through, see if there's anything that stood out this week. I oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Anything you want to share? Well, let me finish. Why don't I finish listening to you? How do you I stopped... feel about your wife turning fifty? Oh, fine. Yeah. You're a year behind me, so yeah. How did you feel when you turned fifty? I felt good, but I had a plan. What was your plan? To run a marathon before I turned fifty. And did you make that happen? I uh, three. I was three days late. I ran the marathon March yeah. 8th and I turned 50 on March 5th. Yeah. And I did that because I knew 50 would be tough for me because yeah. I was struggling with a fear of failure. Yeah. That I had failed in life. So, really? 
You, why did you think you had failed? Because but when I turned 40, that was hard. But then a friend of mine, Neil, said, well, just look at the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he said, don't, don't focus on your whole life. Just look at the last 10 years. And I did. And I realized in my 30s that I'd be three kids. What a great thing to look back yeah, on. Yeah, that's a lot realize. to do. Having children is a lot of work. And then at 40, late 40s, it's like, oh, I finally found my track in life. I'm going to go to seminary. Yeah. Where I'm going to be a pastor. Mm-hmm. And then for so for those that entire decade, it, most of that decade, nine of, nine of those 10 years, it was uh, I finally found my spot. I'm going to do this. And then mm-hmm. tried it. In the pastor world, and then it it collapsed and yeah. imploded. <laughs> yeah. So that and that happened like um, that all happened the year before I turned fifty. So turning fifty was like, well, what am I going to do now? Am I just going right. to be a nobody? Because part of the whole um, the whole pastor thing was I'm going to preach to to many and and save many, and I'll be God's voice, and then all, all that just turned to shit. It felt like so. Well, do I have to put an do I have to label this podcast when I say the, that word? I wonder. Let me no. continue. Let's continue. So turning fifty was like, well, I'm just gonna fade away. A lot of it. This is around, of course, it's around the ego, right? So, but so I'm gonna go into fifty, and I'm just gonna be. I'm just gonna just uh, rock away in my rocking chair, and and so I think turning. Did fi- you really think that? Like you kind of felt like it was over, or like there was a lot of that go struggle going on, right? So there was the yeah. was, oh, I, oh, I screwed up. There was it wasn't I wasn't viewing it like if I had coached myself, I would have been asking mm-hmm. questions like really. So what what does success look like? I really think you really think you failed, and I'd probably have these clever questions. But right, because you wouldn't say that to me. Right. If I was saying that, that yeah. would have been your response to me. Yeah, and I would have said, "Wait, really? It's, you, you, that's a strong word to use. Like, like, look, like, take a good look at your life." And, and well, how are you measuring success? What was your measurement of success in your mind? Um, let me finish one track oh, first. Okay. No, that's no, okay. Because so I did run the. I I figured. Well, like, here's one thing I can't control. Like, could, I could train for a marathon, so I did, and then I I finished it, and that felt really mm-hmm. good. Yeah. And mentally, it helps you too. So I didn't feel old i felt quite it was probably close to being in the best shape i ever was when i yeah. when i hit 50 like i felt good yeah um but again but i did that as a countermeasure to mm-hmm. what i was fearing going into hitting 50 yeah so um fa- uh, what was the, your question was what is failure yeah what was your definition of failure like why did you what did you think failure looked like, and why did you perceive yourself as a failure? So, at 50? like, yeah, Steve Jobs. What did he say? I want to put a ding in the universe, right? Yeah. And um, I think he did. I think he did. I mean, I say I think he did because yeah, we have all this great technology. But then I've heard other things like he wasn't. He was kind of a mean guy, so <laughs> or he could be yeah. to his employees. But anyway, the whole idea of of leaving something behind mm-hmm. and. You know, I guess we all want to be famous or something, or know that we made an impact in the world, or that the world felt our presence and stuff like that. And were you looking at that more externally oh, I, instead I think, of yeah. in your family? I think I was. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think I, yeah. An impact on your family, but right. you were were you discounting that as not a valid ding? No, in I think the universe. I think I would have said that's good, but it's you know that's 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 the minimum. Was that not enough? Was it not? Probably not, yeah. It's not like, well, I want to be a good husband, I want to be a good dad, uh, but I want to be a good friend and I want to do this and that and the other. So. But when you look at being a friend and a father yeah. and a husband, do those stack up in your mind as as uh, 
equally important or impressive as opposed to being a successful pastor or they, work person? I think they do now because, um, like, being you know a, a husband, dad, and then a, mm-hmm. a friend of just like having a few friendships, but developing or having deep friendships, but a few mm-hmm. that that feels more meaningful. Yeah, like to be. I think to know and be known is very. That's that would be success. I think. Yeah. As opposed to being marginally known by many well yeah because if you're famous yeah like when i hear famous people talk about the price of fame yeah is that everyone thinks they know you but they really don't know you right and you know it's really hard to have a new relationship perhaps because that maybe that person has a perception of you so you're not known by a lot of people it's not that you can't be known by people. It's just that it puts you in a very different um, place in society where people just want to glom onto you, but they don't really want to know the real you. Yeah. You know, but they think they do. Yeah. You know, and, but, you know, just having a few good quality relationships is way better, I think, than having like tons of yeah insignificant acquaintanceships. I just made up a word. Is that a word? It's, it's like a word. No, I made it up. Acquaintanceships. But like, yes, yeah, so like <laughs> when you're dying, right? Yeah. And we'll all be there. Like, who's going to be around? Well, yeah. And shouldn't that drive? Shouldn't that drive most of your energy? Yeah. How do you feel a year out of being 50? Like you'll be 51 next I month. I feel good. How yeah. do you feel? I feel good. So do you feel like now, do you feel like a success? Or are you still struggling with that failure thing? Um, well, it's funny you even say that. Like, do I feel like a success? I feel like even that statement is the is answering a question not, not, uh, that I haven't been asking this year. Or, or is that true? It just that, that just didn't land well. Like when you said... What do you mean? When you said, do you feel like a success? My first thought was, it doesn't matter anymore. Oh, okay. You know? So so maybe, like, it doesn't, it doesn't. Like, like I So wa- you're not thinking in those terms anymore. You've kind of, you feel like you've... Yeah, I don't think I am. I th- so that's, do you feel like that's a, I feel like that's a healthy oh, thing. Oh, it is. I think it is, That you're not yeah. thinking in that vein. So yeah. your brain, what, how do you feel you've transitioned in your thinking? How, um, like, how are you thinking of your life now as a whole and what you're accomplishing or or striving towards so i still think um i think longevity is still important like if Mm -hmm. if, i mean we don't we can't we can't guarantee we'll be alive tomorrow but we can certainly prepare for for it so Mm -hmm. i think if it's within our power to be healthy and live Mm -hmm. as long as you know god gives us time to live then we should yeah we should do that so like I'm, i'm 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 trying to keep that healthy aspect. Yeah. Also to be mentally um, healthy and mentally sharp and then mm-hmm. to grow, to always push myself to grow. So this yeah. last year was where I changed jobs and because mm-hmm. I knew I needed to grow and, and I did and it was yeah. hard and difficult and there was sleepless nights and but I'm just realizing that's just something I have to keep doing. Right. I'm going to have to always be uncomfortable. So there was success there in the sense of growing as a person, as mm-hmm. a coach. Um. 
And uh, now, what was your question again? Because I'm very, I'm varying. Mike, well, off. you're answering. No, you're answering the question. My question was like, what is your viewpoint now? Like, how are you looking at your life now, as opposed to like when you were moving towards fifty? You were thinking yeah. of like, is my life a success? I don't feel I'm struggling with the fear of failure, feeling like a failure. But then yeah. now you've transitioned into a healthier mindset of yeah, yeah. Of focusing on, yes, I need to move towards things. I need to stay healthy because I want to live a long time. Yeah, yeah. And I also need to keep pushing into these areas of difficulty. Yeah. And growing as a person and in my career. Oh, yeah. I think I know what I was going to say. So like uh, like setting real massive long-term strategies. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. What does that look like? So I think what it did look like is like, I'm going to do this. Like 10 years ago, it's like, I'm going to be, I don't know if I had a long-term strategy, but I, I think I had a predefined idea where I was going to be. Mm-hmm. So then when I wasn't there and I was so far off of it, that's what led to failure. But maybe there's smaller incremental steps. Like, yeah. okay, what is the next? Well, I think if you're going to do a long-term plan, mm-hmm. you got to realize like it's very foggy out there. Like, this well, it's stuff. foggy, and do you think the 10 years, if you just look at the 10 years from 40 to 50, yeah. what kind of lesson can you glean from well, that? Yeah. Is it even possible well, to pe- make like, like a big giant plan like that? Well, it's the thing, like people would ask that question in job interviews. I think they stop, like, where do you see yourself in five years? What a dumb question. I'm sorry. Yeah. Maybe it's not a dumb question, but, um, uh, well, I might be dead next week. I'm okay. Okay. But again, back to where do we, where do you see yourself? That, I mean... Jobs are changing so much and the market's changing. Like, you can't predict where you're going to be in five years. Every time I've answered that question, I've always been wrong. So, right. so well, you can think like of it in the sense of like, where would you want to be? But yeah. realizing the whole time that, like, you thought seminary was the thing for you. Yeah. No, I still think it was. Looking well, back, no, I don't mean yeah, that. Yeah. I, I think, don't mean that it was a waste of time. What I meant, or that you didn't learn something from it. Right. What I mean is that it didn't do for you, it didn't get you to the place ultimately where you thought you were supposed to be. Right. And the closer I got to that, the more my innards were like... Rrr. So what I'm saying is this, that even though we strive towards something, making a future plan, yeah, we can't always know what those aspirations are going to bring us right. to. Like yeah. you can't, what we want and desire and think is going to happen, a lot of times it doesn't. Right. And you have yeah. to be prepared for that. Yeah. And knowing that everything is uncertain. Yeah. And Even I, your own mind can. Yeah. I think, I think the more you make it uh, certain, the more disappointed you're going to be. So like when we're teaching product development, we say, Product development is not like a road in the desert that's ten miles long and it's straight and it's a sunny day and you're gonna you're gonna get there. It's mm-hmm. like driving in the fog. You have a general idea where you want to go, but you can only see yeah. the immediate road in front of you. So plan for that. Mm-hmm. Like plan in detail the road you can see, but then the road beyond that, you just very, make very loose plans. And maybe you yeah. maybe we apply that to ourselves. Like you can, it's okay to make loose plans that are not gra- granular. Means detailed. Is that right? I was screwed it up. Yeah. Yeah. What's the opposite of granular? Less granular. We'll see. What would be the opposite? So we'll a say, macro view as opposed yeah, to a micro view? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So it's like if you're planning your own life, just 
maybe you would learn a skill set that's a very generalized skill set that will help you very far out but but, but you learn a specific skills in the for the that you need for the next few months or a year or something mm-hmm. i'm just kind of rambling i don't know if i'm making sense but um so my, all that to say if you i think if you're if you pick the position you want like if, if you say at this time in five years, ten years, I want to be in this position. Well, that position may not even exist in the world. It may be, it may have become so outdated right. that you shouldn't just target that. You should, uh, like I'm, I say to Liam, like learn. It's good to learn skill sets. Like it's mm-hmm. like learning to do a certain job might be dangerous in this world, but learning skill sets that can be shifted left or right depending. What's the difference between a job and a skill set? Well, I don't know. Like if I'm saying like I'm gonna be. Uh, if I pick, like, if I say today, like, I'm going to be an agile coach in 10 years, mm-hmm. well, maybe an agile coach will disappear. Maybe it'll be some other, um, maybe it'll be some other term, you know. Mm-hmm. And if I lock myself too much into that role, I might get disappointed. Whereas if I think, like, what would make, what are the, what are the skills that would make a great agile coach, like um, listening, asking powerful questions, leadership, all that stuff. If I mm-hmm. learn those skills and focus on those skills, then maybe I'll be less disappointed. Okay. I feel like I'm in the in a ditch here. You do. Just mentally, yeah. I I I can't quite. There's a distance between what I want to say and what's coming into the mic. Right. I'm trying to. Well, yeah. I what I'm hearing you say is that, you know, and we hear this a lot. People say you have to hold things loosely. Yeah. Like you plan for today well you can plan for the future and do things today towards that but you have to realize that things change yeah like the job market changes the jobs that are going to be available they change your mind changes your circumstances change the world changes everything changes yeah so you just have to be um yeah learning things that i think what you're trying to say is learn things that aren't going that you know won't become obsolete yeah as you move into your future yeah but then you know but that but those things apply more to career right that's not so your everyday life yeah i mean kind of your everyday life but that's more when you're thinking about your career yeah um but yeah so any other thoughts on on 50 like you've been 50 for a year do you have anything to teach me yeah you're good since at, i just you're, turned you're good, 50. At, good at asking questions um well i was gonna say expect aarp to come in the mail that's the thing when you turn 50 they send it to you i don't even know what it is i thought you just i just got you it did, didn't that's I? What I was gonna yeah so already, they, they sent it early so i haven't even opened those i still don't even know what that is so what else um that's like for retired people. Is it? So we watched that documentary called, uh, what was it called? I don't know. It was about the villages, that giant, yeah, it was ca- giant Oh, it's called The home. Villages. I think it might have been called The Villages. Yeah. Even though, about this huge retirement community in Florida. And you only have to be 55 to go there. Yeah. Like, since when is 55 old? Very young. Very young. Oh my gosh. It I used to be like, old, but now it's very young. Yeah, I just think that, you know... I feel very young. I do too, actually. I feel like I did when I was sixteen internally, and I had. Yeah, I, I do too. It's I didn't never feel. changed. When I, was, I don't feel any older. Like when I was in my mid to late thirties, mm-hmm. I felt like I was sixty on the inside. Really? Yeah. What, and what do you think that was and from? Now, now I feel like I'm thirteen. 
Why? I don't know. Do you... Well, it could have been <laughs> like it was a very stressful time. And I mean, you're in a different mental state, right? You're, you're developmentally, you're focusing on the stress of, of raising your kids and saving money for retirement and having a house and you're kind of in that zone and it's a lot of stress and i think that i think that aged me on the inside you think so i think it did yeah. I, I, that's how i feel and yet now i feel that sounds more negative than something where you would say that matured me oh maybe it did but actually <laughs> no maybe it did maybe going through that did I, you i feel horrible listening to this because i feel no, no, like no, you shouldn't because you were miserable in your 30s having a family no 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 that's the way you're connecting it to the, i was part of it was the job i was in okay i was in that i switched jobs at 35 and then and then finally got like I, you remember, like from twenty to fifth to thirty-five, I was in it one same company, and I really wasn't growing that much. Yeah, I wasn't being challenged. wasn't putting myself out to be challenged. I was putting a lot of effort onto right. singing and acting, which which right. was fine. But career-wise, I wasn't finding my. When I finally yeah. got a job at thirty-five, they they put me in a job I never should have had, and it really stressed me out. But I've, looking back, I learned a ton. Well, I remember in the beginning of our marriage, you were not career right. oriented like you yeah. had a career you did well but you weren't like we yeah. didn't have conversations you you were thinking more of your spiritual growth and how right. to be like a godly person yeah but you weren't from what i remember you were never focused on how do i grow in my job yeah which is interesting when and then that yeah. changed later for you yeah which was good it's in, so I don't think I had a very integrative approach. Like, like it's funny to hear you say I was focused more on my spiritual growth. Yeah. Like, why didn't I view my career and my job as a, a tool towards spiritual growth? Yeah, I don't know. I don't... Well, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I Do you have, have any every, ideas I don't, around well, that? Well, because I would have seen it as a... I would have seen it as... I do. I would have had the spiritual world, the church world, and then the work world. And that's that's the other world. Yeah. That's the... You know, sometimes that's a that's a hostile world, you know, where I won't be understood. So you do you think you were thinking of it in that way, or you just were like focused more on? Know. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of. I don't I'm, think I'm reading back into it now. Yeah, because I don't think that Christianity discourages you from growing no, in your work field. Not I just think that you. That was me, probably. Yeah. Maybe you were perhaps just more focused in that area, and you. Well, I think, I, you know... Because I think maybe you were just existing inside of your job. You I was, I was. You didn't really have like a... I didn't have any joy in it. A path. No, not at all. I didn't have any... I was, I was, I was, I was with the same company and I would wander around. Mm-hmm. And so I think I had it in reverse. I think now what I've seen is um, my loyalty is to my craft and yeah. I'm going to invest in that. Yeah. And... I'll be loyal to a company as long as as long as we have a symbiotic relationship where they're yeah. showing some loyalty to me. Like if they're not investing in me, then I'll go to the next place that does invest in me. So my primary loyalty now is to the craft. Yeah. And I want to help people. And it's not that I'm not loyal to a company, but if, if the two are in conflict, I'll always pick mm-hmm. the craft. Mm-hmm. So so that's been a huge thing for me. I, I found a great comfort in that and excitement in that. But at the time, I think I was loyal yeah. to the company. I didn't have a craft. I didn't find it. So how it. did you find your, you kind of found your craft by, by, Mis- by, by, by mistake by or by yeah. accident. Cause you, what you were you with, uh, with Drew's company? It was with UBS, Swiss oh, Bank UBS. at the time. And okay. am I talking too much about me? 
Well, I've kind of been interviewing you well, in, a, in a sense. I don't know. People like to talk about themselves. I just worried that. Well, let's just go oh with it. Oh my gosh! Can you just talk? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I was with UBS, Swiss Bank Corporation, for fifteen years, and then had a lunch with a guy called Rob Hines, and he said, uh-huh. he asked if I. So I did. I shifted companies. Yeah. And for two weeks, my digestive system was shot, and I was scared to death. And but it was more money. And uh, Ryan is very afraid of change. You guys, when it comes oh, yeah, to yeah. work, oh, new gosh. things and. Oh. He well, just goes through so much angst we, and mean, anxiety. We, we all are, though, right? Not maybe, well, yeah. maybe not to that level, but if it changes I mean, hard. Yeah. I don't think I realize changes that are. So I go through two weeks of turmoil, and then I get the job offer on a Friday, and I drive to the monastery to think it through. I mean, anyway, and I sat with Father Tom, the monk in the monastery, and it was mm-hmm. a beautiful evening, and the sun was coming down, and he sat there, and it's such a guy's just a, the room he would sit in was so peaceful. And I'm telling him what's going on. And he just goes, change is hard. That's all he says. And I just start yeah. bawling, crying. Because I realized, oh, it is. That's what my problem is. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't something. This is, change is hard. That's why I've been struggling. Yeah, so I did it. Change is hard. And I, Doing I'll, new things yeah. is hard. Uh, but I don't know. I didn't no idea why they hired me. But they did. It was a tough interview. So they knew what they were getting. But I was so unskilled to do what I was doing there. And I was, and I was in a technical role. And I which I shouldn't have, shouldn't have been. But I, I learned a ton and, and worked long hours. And looking back, it was very formative. Like I made good relationships, mm-hmm. made good friends and learned a lot fast. But it was through that in Bank of America, that was 2005, that I became a scrum master because they were talking about So then about you would Angel. have had two little kids at home at the time. I Finn yeah. and Liam. Finn and Liam, yeah. Would have been born. So you're you're a new dad and then you right. have a new job and we had just done the basement of the house so we had that going that, that was, was more money. stupid it was, was a stupid. bad idea that so we put ourselves more in debt so but yeah I, yeah so i remember like putting liam to sleep one night when i had just started this job and mm-hmm. it was with the it was a very old mindset of the boss because he was like we work long hours here yeah which is not a it's which is a dumb way to measure value. Oh, we work long hours. Yeah. So we work long hours duct taping this system together until somebody finally came in and said we're going to rewrite the whole thing and we're going to have a sustainable pace. And that's when all the agile mindset oh, came in. Okay. So who brought agile in? Had you I, ever I heard of it before? I had no. It was two thousand seven. Somebody came along and was they kept here was a buzzword. It's like well, I want to hear about it. And the more I learned about it, it's like I like this. This sounds really a fun way of. Of. So it kind of fits in with who you are it as does. a person. It does, yeah. Because you're very introspective. You yeah. like to pick things apart, analyze things. You do, yeah. And I, and I would always you're be more... You're very relational. Yeah. Because I never... I, so for 17 years, I wandered in the IT. You're not an IT guy at I'm all. Not. But what's funny you're is not like... not a technical guy. I'm not. But I love seeing other people get excited about technology. Yeah. Like well, you like to facilitate... Yeah things and you like to come alongside people and help them i do i do yeah i mean i think i'm passionate about people and i said what's funny is i said that in the interview of bank of america mm-hmm. i didn't realize that that was i think they were all giggling because there's a they all love this show movie called office space with jennifer aniston and i guess there's a guy being interviewed and, and he goes what are your skills he goes oh i'm a people person mm-hmm. and he had no skills yeah so in the interview they said what are you passionate about and i said i'm passionate about people it was true but I, they were probably giggling yeah, but I I always have been. I've been more interested in that. So what Agile was promising was better employee engagement, better work environment, 
uh, faster delivery of the product in small increments and better mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff and so yeah so I, but I this so then I, I lost my job there and they gave, made me a scrum master and then uh, for the first time in seventeen years I love not only loved what I was doing but I was getting feedback that I was good mm-hmm. I don't think I ever got in seventeen years people didn't say you're really good at this yeah so when those two happen at the same time I love it and I'm really good at it. Then I realized I was onto something. Mm-hmm. And then uh, now, were yeah. you nervous transitioning into being a scrum master? Did you yeah. have that same? Yeah, I had a really difficult boss. He was mean. Yeah. So that didn't help. But then I just confronted him, and in a nice way, I said, "Hey, Tom, when you when you talk to me like that, it makes me feel small." Mm-hmm. And I'm using that. I'm you. I'm picking my language very yeah. carefully, right? And then he just really apologized and felt bad. And then he kept double checking himself and. So that was another, you know, and around that time I was reading, like that church we went to that I, I and I give a hard, hard time to, not, we, they, they, I learned a lot there about the seven habits of a highly effective person. Like I read mm-hmm. the book, we did classes on it. So that, yeah. that helped a lot. I started mm-hmm. instituting a lot of that stuff in. Yeah. So I think in 2007, I kind of got on a track where it's like, oh, this is fun. And then, yeah. 2007, is that right? And then so, but, so I kept going, being a scrum master and then, um yeah uh yeah and ever since then i feel like you've really enjoyed your career right and you've really you've taken on a growth mindset that's Would right you feel that's true that's a great is that your term because that's a term we use the growth mindset oh well that's not my term i've heard that yeah i've probably heard it from you but i've heard yeah. that term a lot in different yeah through different thing, having a growth mindset, because because you always will leave a job when you feel like you. There's no more room for you to grow. Right, and it's anymore. funny looking looking back. I look back at those years. In um, what I'd say the IT desert, but but yet there's looking back. There's more of a richness to them. Like there's mm-hmm. there's like if I meet people that I knew back then, like it's just they were good memories. You know, I mean, I'm yeah. seeing it in a different light now that I'm on the other side of it. And those difficult years of depression, where I did hit depression being in that job in, in, in 2005, 2006, um, I'll teach sections of classes and it's like, I only know this because I went through this. Mm-hmm. Like I've been, in, I've taught more, I've done coaching classes where we're teaching them more, we call it continuous integration, continuous de- de- delivery and pipelines and stuff like that. And I know it conceptually at a high level, but from being in that role, and I'll have other coaches say, can you teach this section? Mm -hmm. Can you know it better? And I actually don't know it compared, because I'll have developers in the room and I'll say to them, am I on the right track? And they're saying, yeah, you've got it. Mm -hmm. But I can only teach those sections with confidence because I went through those two years. So so looking back, it was good. It was... um, Okay, so I have a question. Yeah. Does being a dad inform any part of your work? life or yeah. does your work life inform you being a dad like do those roles cross over yeah. and if so how do they influence one another uh, they do because um i'll i'll um just like i'm frustrated this week because I, I i um somebody came back and said I had to learn this on my own i need help and i was frustrated i said what do you mean learn your own i said we met once in December and once in January for two mm-hmm. hours a piece. We mm-hmm. went through this. I wrote up documentation to mm-hmm. how to do it. I spent three hours doing that. Mm-hmm. So I've invested five hours to show you how to do this. And now in February, you're coming back saying, I feel alone. I'm self-taught here. And it's like, 
And I responded and said, listen, I, I don't mean to be defensive, but and I explained what I said to you. Mm-hmm. I said, but I do want to make, am I missing something here? She mm-hmm. never responded. So, but I was like, what the hell? It's like, I'm, I am banging my head against the wall, repeating myself. Mm-hmm. And, but I'm realizing, well, I have to change the approach of coaching. Mm-hmm. Like it's not working. Like for me, it's clear. Okay. I wrote a document and, and I don't learn from documents. Mm-hmm. So I did that as a reference, but I sat with these guys for two hours. Mm-hmm. walked through it gave them a chance to walk through it and still it's not it's not landing on with them so what's the connection there it's like with kids it's like there's times we get so frustrated because yeah. we've made it as clear as day what else can i do mm-hmm. and i think we have to realize well it's not working mm-hmm. so i can keep getting frustrated or i can change my approach right so i was talking to my boss yesterday and he interrupted he goes well okay that's not working what's your next approach and it's like oh that's a good question so i, right. I, I said here's another approach he goes that sounds good try it well, that is true Ugh, with kids. Yeah. Like I found that I think there was some one of our kids. It just seemed like there I wasn't, and both of us. I think we had the same problem with this child that like the way we would, you know, tell this child to do something or whatever. It just seemed like there was a disconnect, and then finally realized that the, you know. They weren't hearing something or they weren't understanding. I don't know. It was like the, it was a big miscommunication, but it took quite a while to figure that out. Yeah. And then now once I figured it out, I will say something to that child. And then I will say, what did you hear me saying? Did uh, you understand that? Can you tell me right. what I just said Yeah. to make sure they heard every single piece of it and that they understood every piece of it? Yeah. Because we can't always assume yeah. that the information we are sharing is clear information. Right. And that they're understanding it in the way we intend it. Yeah. I remember I was in work a few years ago and this executive came in and she was talking to my peer. And she said, well, you, you something like, um, well, what I sent was crystal clear. I sent an email and it was crystal clear. Mm-hmm. And I wish I had... To been, her. She, right. She said that to him and he just said, well, yeah. you know. I wish I had stood up and said something to her. I don't know if it would have been appropriate. What the heck? I should have I should have said, I'm sorry, but as the sender of information, you don't get to determine if it's crystal clear. When the receiver of the information regurgitates mm-hmm. back to you what you said and you say, yes, that's what I said, mm-hmm. then it's crystal clear. Um. So I think, and like this is a woman probably in her 60s, but mm-hmm. in her mind, she's being crystal clear. Well, again, yeah. you don't get to say that. So I think that's part of the issue. Yeah. Is um, either when the work's done like you thought it should be mm-hmm. or when someone regurgitates back. But I think that's another skill that I, I'm learning is um, what you just said there. It's like, yeah. repeat back to me what you think I said. Mm-hmm. I wonder, like, I think it's okay to say that to someone at work. Like, well, tell me, tell me what you think I just said. Right. Like, I we just went over this for two hours. Yeah. Maybe like mini check ins too between the yeah. two hours, because like, right. If someone's sitting there and you're just giving them information for two hours. Maybe they don't. Yeah. Maybe they were lost the entire time. Well, they could have been. That's that's the thing I'm realizing too about um, we say outputs versus outcomes. Like the output of my tra- of training could be I get through my slides and I teach you. But if no one understands the training, then all you had was output. The outcome should be, I've learned it and I'm going to institute the learning. Right. Have you ever sat through a class and it just felt like it, was nothing horrible. was getting in? Oh, yeah. Not only, not only that. I sat through a class for two, for two days and I got a certificate at the end. And you didn't understand any of it? 
I, I understood. Just... I understood a fair amount of it. It just bothered me that it's like, what? What are you? What am I getting a certificate for? Whereas, like that scale, Boy, that... you can't learn something in two days. I mean, no, it's crazy. Like, there's now like there's a certificate like I have, as a, it's called a safe program consultant. Like I earned that bloody certificate because I studied for ages and the questions were really hard. And I really felt like that certificate was representative of me having the knowledge, at least to, enough to pass the test. Mm-hmm. Whether I kept it is another story. So yeah, like that. Um, okay, so let me steer a bit uh, into another. So another thought I had was about parenting and my job is um, a lot of times I get very, I solution the problem for people. I'll say, this is what you should do. Mm-hmm. And that's not, I'm realizing that's not helpful. Like, there's a thing they call a commander's intent, where the com- in a military thing, the commander gives the intent of what they're after, mm-hmm. but then you get to decide how to how to implement that. Yeah, and it gives you space as the person doing the work to come up with your own ideas. Mm-hmm. So, like, we had just been teaching that, and I thought conceptually that sounds great, but then around that time we had just moved in here, and all the remember all the grass died, or we thought it mm-hmm. died. It was mm-hmm. our first summer mm-hmm. here where the, it doesn't really die it actually comes back to life you just have to water it but I pulled up a bunch of sod that was dead and I stacked it like a skyscraper and then these Texas ants these you know those mean ants fire ants yeah mm-hmm. they built a little community in the skyscraper of, of sod right mm-hmm. and I said to the boys hey I need you to get rid of that and throw it in the green mm-hmm. dumpster mm-hmm. and um we should we'll switch subject now after this because you look like you might get you get bored now. No, 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 no. I'm thinking. Oh. I'm thinking of a similar thing. I, I'm tracking with you, yeah. and in my head, I'm thinking I know what where you're going oh, with okay. this. Well, so I was thinking, and like, I am a little bit sleepy. Okay, well, I was thinking. Well, if not, you're bored, maybe people. But are I'm too. not bored. Yeah. I'm tracking with you on it. Um, and if they're bored, yeah. I don't know. Well, like you so know, they go going to be the, so to, exciting to all the time. It's like the weather; no. like it'll shift in a minute. You know. Right. So well, I mean, I listen to podcasts all the time. Yeah. And there are moments in podcasts where you know you have those awkward moments where someone says something on the podcast, but it's really not that funny. Yeah. And you can tell that the host doesn't think it's funny either, yeah. and it just like lands kind of right. dully. Yeah. In the conversation, but then you move through those. You do. You can, I don't think you should edit those and out, right? Yeah, well, well laziness Tig, tells me. I've been listening to a podcast with Tig Notaro, and she has... Um, can I finish my skyscraper no, story? Yes, but can I finish this story first? Yeah, we'll go back to the skyscraper of ants. Um, because I did mean to go back to that. I but wasn't going to derail Notaro, us we'll, we'll all the fine. way out. But yeah, you yeah. did ask me a question. Well, I was worried we'd... Okay, go ahead. Uh, but we, anyway, we'll she, uh, what she will do when there's like a funny moment in the podcast or a weird moment, she'll like make a joke about it. And then her editors will go back in yeah, and they'll kind of edit the moment and add like some fun music or something. And they kind of, they keep all of them in, oh, that's funny. but I'm they really... turn them into these really funny. I'd love to hear a section of moments, that. you know, but anyway, so go back to your skyscraper. No, but I'd like this. That sounds intriguing, ants. but I'd like to hear that. Can you share one of those moments with me? Yeah. And I might put it in the... Because that sounds clever. Because I did something yeah. similar. Okay, so I say to the boys, here's what you do. You take... You get long gloves. Uh-huh. Because you remember Callum was attacked by fire ants. Like 20 of them stung him years ago. So I knew Well, they was, don't really... 
attack you. They're just being fire ants. They're this mean though. The Irish ants. ants don't act like that. They're nice. Irish, they're, but they're not. They're not mean. They are mean. They like, bite. Are polar hurts. bears mean? Yeah. They just. They okay. you're just okay. you're yeah. in their environment. They're just doing what they do. So, I said, get long gloves. Yeah. Grab it and run like hell to the front of the house. And dump it. By the time the ants figure what's oh, going on, they they they'll be up your halfway up your arm. You can pat them off. And that was my. I was very prescriptive. And then I said, um, "Do that." And Dad said, "Hey, or not that." Liam said, "I have another idea. I'm gonna put borax all over it, and I'm gonna kill them and wait a few days, and then I'll take my time." And I said, "Oh, well, that works too. I think mine's more humane, but yeah, at least I'm." Does just, borax I'm, kill fire ants? I hate. Yeah, but. But the point being, like, what I should have said was, hey, I want that skyscraper out of my backyard over there. Can you just figure out how to do it? And, and thing- neither one of you thought to roll the bin back there and just quickly pick it up and... Another good idea. Put it in the bin. <laughs> Another great idea. I hadn't thought of it. But that's the whole point, though. You see, um, if I just give the intent... Because they've been teaching that very subject this week about commander's intent and not being over-prescriptive with teams. Right, like, right. Like the product owner gives the intent of what they're looking for. The team figures out how to do it. Right. Uh, because if you... The problem is if you get if you get too prescriptive, um, you can... You can uh, and I have another example, then we'll, we can move on. Can but, I have an example too yeah. of so, this? So that was it. So that was a light bulb moment for me. It's like I'm teaching this during the week and I'm not embodying it at home. I'm being prescriptive. Yeah. So go ahead. Well, the Christmas tree was up. Yeah. And then I wanted it taken down, so I had asked the kids to do that. And um, Liam had volunteered to take it down and own the entire thing. Yeah. And normally he is the least inept, or the I'm sorry, the most inept at doing household chores yeah. in the family. And so, but I did not, he said, I just want to do it, mom, you know, and I could tell by his tone of voice that it was like, don't interfere. Yeah. I'm doing this. Yeah. And I just let him do the whole thing. He did a great job. And I never once told him, I think I might've advised him one time on something or just like where to put the Christmas tree once he had it down, but it was great just to sit back because he he did everything and yeah. and he did an excellent job and I didn't hover over him like giving him instructions and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I wonder why because um, I, I, maybe it's a loss of control of mm-hmm. this is the way I would do it and you're not doing it my way, right? And I suppose that's hard, to, but but I guess it, it, it matter. I, I guess what matters is whether it's an person you're mentoring at work or an employee that reports to you or a child it what's the goal is the goal to get the task done or is it to build capabilities in the person well and it's, it's probably really both of those things it is but i think if you're it depends if you have short-term vision if i have short-term vision wait get, i have another thing to say too if, I, if it's short-term vision i want the ants out of there right but isn't the if if i have a long-term vision to to allow space for the person doing the work to have creativity and learn a skill mm-hmm. that's what what's going to set that's what's important i think that's what's going right. to make companies develop long term if we're taking the time and even if it means going slower to build the capabilities in people and i think commander's intent gets them there being prescriptive doesn't because it's my idea i'm pressing down on you 
Make. Right, because it's not about you having control either. Right. It's not about and that person. And it's not person. about me looking good either. Right, and that person executing it exactly in the way that you think it yeah. should be executed. Because it's like you put that in a corporate setting. Okay, we're going to have an update. Why is that skyscraper of ants still there, Mr. Ralph? Didn't your employees, why didn't they move it? Well, because um, I could have done it faster and looked mm-hmm. good, but I want my employees to grow, and their plan is will take two days for the borax to set in and kill the ants. And what I'm all about is growing my people. And you're just going to have to deal with this ant thing in the middle of the conference room for another week while yeah. my employees get it done and they learn. But too often we're, it's about us and how we look to the upper bosses. So we don't want to have that conversation. But if your company's committed to continual learning, they'll mm-hmm. be open. They'll be patient with that. Okay, back to you. Yeah. What do you mean back to me? You're going to say something. I think I talked so long you forgot. No, it was the Christmas oh, was tree oh, the Christmas story. Tree. That's what I... Because I... Yeah. Hey, can I tell you one more story? Yes. I don't know if this is uh, about this very subject about being prescriptive. So, uh-huh. um, But this is where I think the agile stuff for me, and it could be anything at work, is how it integrates back and forth. But with You mean with the family? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, in the whole agile thing we do, we do a... Uh, a story, user story it's like I as a you know a user would mm-hmm. like this so that and the so that is very important because it tells us why so for example um, it could be as simple as I don't know I as a commuter in Manhattan would like a vehicle so that I can get to work mm-hmm. um, that's not a good example but the so that is an important like we want the team to know why mm-hmm. we're doing it yeah because if they know why we're doing it uh huh what, how they do it might change. Okay. So, for example. Oh, okay, that's good. Let me give an example. So, I'm, I'm a, I, uh, I've gone through Chicago and Denver airports a lot when we lived in Denver, and I was commuting back and forth. And I would do this thing where I'd have this bottle of water, and the, I owned the bottle. It was I paid twenty dollars for it. Uh huh. Inevitably, I'd get right up to the part where I'm going to check in the flight, put my bag through, and I yeah. remember I had the wall full of water, and it's like, oh no, I have two choices here. I can chug it. Yeah. But then I have to pee on the plane. Or I could just hand it over and they'll, what do you call it? When they take it away? Confiscate, confiscate it. Confiscate it. Yeah. Um, they, were my, they were usually my two choices. Confiscate it or chug it. And, um, Isn't there a third choice? Yeah, what is it? Pour it out. Where? You have to go to the bathroom. Right. So at O'Hare, at Midway Airport, they write, somebody with a brain has thought through my problem here. Yeah. Right before you go to TSA, the Tech, Tech Transportation Safety Authority, you have it. You pour it out and you keep your thing. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Now that's not the case with Denver, though. Yeah. So with Denver, it's like, oh, um, if I remember in time, I yeah. run over to the men's room and I dump it down the sink, right? Mm-hmm. So in my mind, it's like there's a third choice. I chug it, they take it, or I find a men's room. Mm-hmm. So now I had three choices, right? Yeah. So I'm in San Antonio interviewing or you pour it on the floor right right no that's see that see it's it, but this is important you're thinking this way because what happened yeah. was based on my experience uh-huh i had limitations on um that's what I'm ta- she went off to the bathroom there so i'm talking no, to myself no that's fine you're you're smoother like when i go to the bathroom you keep talking i was so based on um based on my experience uh-huh I developed categories of choices, right? Mm-hmm. And they were limited choices. Yeah. I I was th- I could only think inside the box based on the experience I had. Mm-hmm. So I get 
to San Antonio, I interview, do a four-hour interview with all these agile exercises that are talking about these very things. Yeah. I go up to the woman, I go up to, San Antonio Airport is very, very small, first of all. It's uh-huh. nothing like O'Hare, Midway, or, or Denver. It's quite a small, fantastic airport. I hope it never changes because, uh-huh. I mean, you're, anyway. I walk up and I realize there's TSA. Uh-huh. And what are you doing? You know, can you listen? Cause Dude, I'm listening. You're I was picking your foot over there. I'm picking. I know, but it's Sorry. distracting. I can't. I I'm picking be- my feet, and it's a disgusting habit. Can you wait though until I'm finished and talking? I had to clip this piece of skin off before it bleeds. Okay. No, can you just pause? Because now I'm getting to a good part of the story, and you're like looking at your shit, your foot. I'm sorry. Okay. I've got to stop. I'll st- this will be my last story, and we'll, move, we'll no, just end it you, or something. Okay, I'm going to listen. Okay. I know. Ladies this, and gentlemen, I'm feel, sorry for the grossness. Feel. But I was listening and completely oh, engaged no, I, the entire good, time. No, you were until you're... This must be, is this no, what no, it's no, like no, to no, deal no. with me? Brian. What? I am engaged. Yeah, yeah, I got listening. it. Listening. Behave- I never stopped listening I know, but your you. behavior was telling me differently. I was just picking my feet, you know. Okay, okay. Which is nasty. But anyway, okay. go ahead. Um, I get to the airport. Mm-hmm. And... Um, here we are at TSA, and uh, it's like, okay, oh, well, I got the full bottle of water. Yeah. Okay. They're not going to take it. I'm not going to chug it. Uh-huh. My third option, the only option I know based on Denver and Chicago experience, where's the men's room? So I, was gonna wa- I walked up to the woman at the concierge, uh-huh. or whatever you call it, and I was going to say to her, can you tell me where the men's room is? Mm-hmm. And I didn't. I Actually, I, did, I didn't. I said, you know what? I'm going to go back to my agile. I'm going to tell her what my need is. I'm not going to tell her what I think I want. I'm going to say, what mm-hmm. is my what is my need? And I said to her, I need to get rid of this water. Can you help me? And she mm-hmm. points behind me at the street. Yeah. Toss it on the sidewalk. And I looked behind me and the door was right behind me. Yeah. And I turned to her and said, that's ingenious. And she looked at me like I was nuts, which makes sense. And I dumped it on the sidewalk. The reason I thought she was How a genius. How can you dump something on a sidewalk when you're inside did. an airport? It was outside. I walked outside. That's so weird that there's an out an exit. That's the difference. When you you're said. in the terminal. Right. Exactly. And so, and, and here's the point. Um, when you're in Denver and Chicago, uh-huh. the sidewalk is nowhere near you. No. But San isn't. Antonio is so small that that the sidewalk, the outside world, the distance between the outside world and TSA is only a matter of feet. Yeah. But because all of my history was in different airports, there was never an option in my head to dump the water on the sidewalk. Yeah. Because it was never in my history. So, but if I had said to her, where's the men's room? She would have sent me walking down to the men's room because that's right. what I asked her. But instead I said, what my need is right now is right. to get rid of this water. And she came up with a solution based yeah. on, she came up with a solution that would never cross my mind. I'm standing yeah. looking outside, but never crosses my mind to dump it there. Mm-hmm. But when I asked when I gave her my need, she came up with a solution that was outside of my right. mind. Yeah. And and in my mind, it's like, and when I said to her, wow, you're a genius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was really sincere. She's like, it's not that difficult. The sidewalk's right there. Can you not see it? But the truth is, I couldn't see it. Well, maybe you didn't know that you could actually open the door there. Oh, no. It, I knew because I'd just come through that door. The door was six oh. feet behind me. And oh. the, the point is, I was locked inside of a box inside of my head. Yeah. That I only had certain options based on my history. Yeah. But because I asked, what well, I asked, I was. And when ex- Brian said he's yeah. locked in a box inside of his head. Yeah. He literally, you guys. Did I make a box sign in my head? He had both hands on one on each side of his head. Yeah. As if there was a box like on, on my head. On your head. That's, 
Well, so You're I talking with your hands. Anyway, a lot. so the reason I love that story, I think I'm the only one, only one that loves that story. I love that story because for me it was it was mind blowing because I shifted gears. I didn't ask her for the men's room, and oftentimes we right. we're asking for an answer to the wrong thing. We're asking for an answer. Yeah, I mean, how would I express this? I mean, I shifted. I said, I'm not going to ask her for the men's room. I'm going to, because I'm asking her for one of the three options. I'm going to say, this is my need. Can you solve it? Right, because you're, you're open to, in because you could have a mindset that says there are only three options. Right. To solve my problem. Yeah. But instead, you switched your mindset to yeah. being, yeah. maybe in the universe, there is there are other options. Right. I don't know what they are, so yeah. I'm going to see if there's something else available. And and that's why I think it's it's a pivotal for us to to start with what problem you're trying to solve. Right, because you could apply that to so many things in life. Yeah. So what's another example of something you could apply that mindset to? Maybe not. Um, what's another thing that you can think of? Well, where for you me, could... just all the all, and whenever I go to a meeting, like I'm, uh-huh. it, it, it's instead of like people walk in with an agenda. Uh huh. And well, like we walk in with an agenda, maybe we're jumping into step two already. We should walk in with the problem we're trying to solve. Like our purpose for being there is what problem we want to solve today mm-hmm. or what ideas or whatever. But I think we're too fast to jump to step two and we never solve the problem because we're starting the meeting with our, our solution. Mm-hmm. Here's the agenda of Brian's solution. We need to have a men's room closer to the FSA so people can dump their water. Okay, mm-hmm. what are you trying to solve? Uh, blah 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 oh well we don't need to build a men's room because the sidewalk is right behind you dummy oh I never saw it how'd you Mm -hmm. not see it because Mm -hmm. it just wasn't in my frame of reference so right does that help at all yeah I mean well sometimes the things that are obvious to one person may not be obvious to another person yeah like I have a similar example I was painting uh, sets for a play and we were painting fences I remember that and so in my mind, I was already there painting fences, and I was using a paintbrush, and I was painting the fence, and then my friend showed up, and within less than five minutes, she had poured paint into a pan and was using a roller. And with the roller, she was able to paint two or three fence posts at a time, Yeah. whereas I was stuck painting one post at a time, and I didn't, and these were flat pieces of wood. And I was blown away yeah. that I did not think. Like, why did my brain not go to that solution? Because there's obviously multiple sol- solutions, right? Yeah. But my brain just didn't go to that solution. Right. And, I, and that's okay. A lot of times, we'll, I think we beat ourselves up. And I think that the point is, we're going to be better together. Yeah. It's like I, I could be a solo guitarist for my life or let's be in a band and make it more fun. So what do you think gets in the way of us being better together? I think stubbornness that we think we have an expectation of ourselves that we should know it all. And it's like, what an idiot. Mm-hmm. How did I not think of that? Well, I didn't. So let's yeah. get over it and move on and realize I really needed her help. Mm-hmm. And I think also, I think it is a, I, I guess growth mindset comes to mind too. Yeah. It's that I could be wrong. And that it's not about me and my ego. It's about keeping my water bottle that I pay $20 for. Right. And, and if then anyone not, has a better idea, I'm excited to hear not it. not always being right or having your ideas be the only ideas or thinking that they're the best ideas. Yeah. So I think it's constantly. The, I think the ego likes to be yeah. stroked and I'm sure that's a big part of it too. Yeah. 
Which is silly because like when I called her a genius, I was so excited. Not by it's not I wasn't excited by that she had the fourth option. I was excited of what I was learning in that moment by right. shifting my question. Right. And like um well, That's was, a good thing that you said, shifting your question. Yeah. Like that's a profound thing too, to shift your question. Yeah. I think and it was because there are other what things in life that we can shift our questions? Um that you know of? I don't know. Okay. That's a that's a unique thought to shift the question. Like you oh, were yeah, saying, yeah. like you kinda laughed. I thought you were making you had a look stupid? on your face. Or, no, no, you had a look on your face that you were making fun of me. No, not at all. Well then I realized you weren't, so no. No, okay. I wasn't making fun of you at all. Okay. Because you had said you had shifted the question to be what's the problem? Can you help me solve yeah? Can, that you can help me solve. Instead of like, hey, I have a solution. I just need you to help me find my solution. Right. But then I was thinking, are there other areas potentially yeah. in life where... Or is that the question? Well, no, maybe, Or is well, there other ways that. that we can shift the question? I don't know. It just stuck out to me like maybe there was something deeper there. Well, yeah, no, I think every... Let's just look at today, for example. Um, I want to power hose the front... The front... Mm-hmm. Uh, Sidewalk. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, what if I? Uh, what if, if I called like our landlord offered his right, or I could mm-hmm. rent one. So already, I'm, I'm the way to clean that sidewalk in my head is the power hose, right? Right. Well, because it worked last time. Right. But what if I approached Chris next door and said, "Chris, I really want to clean my sidewalk. Any ideas how I would do that? The problem I'm trying to solve here is I want to clean our sidewalk. Any thoughts?" And he could say, "Power washer." Or what if he came up? What if he said, "I just found this thing online and." works better than a power washer the point yeah. being like i think there's an air of, i think there's a humility to say hey can you help me solve my problem so maybe there's you know you know what i just thought of yeah people don't want sometimes when you think you can solve someone's problem or you have something that could be a solution for them yeah have you noticed how so many times people will reject a solution a potential solution for really no reason they yeah. just don't like it Right. Especially like when it comes to like health things. Yeah. If you say like, because some people are very into alternative medicine. Other people are very much into traditional Western medicine. But if you get people who are like really heavily grounded in either one of these camps. Yeah. It's almost like they don't have any open mindset towards accepting something from the other camp. Yeah. So if you come in and you say, oh, I heard about this thing. Yeah. That could potentially help you or give you relief. Yeah. Like I've noticed so many times people are just like all of a sudden you reach a roadblock where they're like, well, I just wouldn't do that or that's just not me or I'm just not going to. Well, because I think, yeah, because they're locked into back to the. Like, why do we do that? I wonder. Oh, because we've so done analogy with. On that politics. This applies to everything in life. Well, because there's categories, right? Politics. Like. That's like Democrats and Republicans. They view taxes differently. They view so many things differently. It's like, why Why is there only one? There's not just usually one solution. Yeah. There's many solutions. You can write the tax code in a thousand different ways. You know what I mean? It's like. Well, so I wonder if there, I wonder if it's like in the case of back to that TSA, my category was find the men's room, drink it or hand it over. 
Yeah. But I wonder, like, the fourth option was dump it on the sidewalk. So right. what if someone said, oh, that's a whole new category. You'd look like a... You'd look like a like a like a redneck doing that. People might think you know right. dumping it on a sidewalk. Someone could slip on it. Like like that's a whole right. other different category. And I yeah. think maybe there's containerized containers of solutions that you're willing to to um, uh, right. Like entertain. these solutions are acceptable. But it, but if you switch into a whole other container of solutions, exactly. like oh no 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 can't have that solution. That's yeah. not a good. That won't look right. Right. It doesn't fit with my paradigm. Do you ever notice though? Um, if you, like, if someone says, "Hey, can you tell me where Home Depot is?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like, if you if you say to someone, "Hey, I really need your help to solve a problem I'm having," I think people are really eager to respond to that. Mm-hmm. And just going back to that, help me solve my problem. Like, if you say, "Hey, I have a problem, and I'm wondering if you can help me solve it," right? I think people are going to be just more engaged to help because I think inside like, of us if we, we want ask, to help. What if? What if, like, Congress set down Republicans and Democrats and yeah. they said, we're trying to solve this problem? Yeah. What if they started there instead of, how do I not have to pay that much in taxes? Or how do I or my constituents? Like, how, how if we framed the conversation like that, yeah. well, here's, could here... that potentially change... The, I the think dynamic and the mood of things. If you just said, this is a problem, how do we solve it? Yeah. Uh, excuse me, I'm just stretching. Because it's more about how do we keep these people happy? I think the difference there is... How do I get reelected as opposed to how do we as Americans solve this problem? So if you're, if, if you're with a bunch of developers who are seasoned programmers and you have them sitting around a table and they have tons of savings and they're confident in their skills and you have a great job market and you're engaging them and they're excited Uh, and and if you just start rejecting all their ideas eventually they'll say you know screw it i can get a job somewhere else so and the reason i say that is because in that place let let me move to the next analogy to see if that's clear uh, you have a lot of freedom in that group to accept or reject. For those developers, say, okay, you don't take my ideas. I'll just if, mm-hmm. if you're gonna continually shoot my ideas down, I'll just find I'll help someone else who needs help. Mm-hmm. The difference with politicians though is that they they don't have that autonomy that that developer has. That developer has confidence that they can get another job. They have savings if they quit right away, for example. Whereas the politician is like a puppet on strings. They don't have autonomy to make that decision. They right. are tied They're... to their constituents. And they really can't give their every right. decision, every thought they have is how will all these thousands of people think about it? How will my state think about it? So they're they're completely they're kind and of. And then a, all those people are tied in with their theology, their religion, their worldview, their view of race. Everyone's locked in to yeah. these mindsets. Some of which could be healthy, some of which could be unhealthy, um, and no one is collectively tied into the well-being of the world as a whole or the American constituency well, as a whole. Well, they're not, as a because whole, the world isn't going to vote them back in the office. They're only tied in, and even the, even the American on the ground, we are tied in only to our thing, what, how we want the world to look, how we think it should look, yeah. and how it should operate. And anyway, yeah, I'm very tired. Yeah, so but to wrap that up, I think it's um, you could have a brave politician, and they're out there, right? 
who it's like I'm gonna do the right thing even if even if I'm done for life. I can see where it's scary. Like you're a politician for a long time. You love being in Washington or wherever you are. You enjoy you enjoy the power, but you realize if you go with what you think is right, you're not gonna get voted back in, and you're gonna retire early, and you probably won't have you probably can't do any other job. It's like similar to pastors who it's all they can do. And they don't want to go against the congregation, even though they know it's right, because they'll be out of a job, and then they they won't they don't have any skill to go anywhere else. I, right. I bet a lot of politicians fear fear that, so they are kind of in bondage, right? Yeah. And well, that, they are in well, because yeah, they are in bondage. I don't mean like in a bad, you know, in a in a kinky way. I just mean in the sense well, we of we know their that, t- Brian. Well, you know that, but what if? I, do you think someone actually yes, thought I do. that when and I'll you tell said you why. bondage? Because as Christians, we always say we're in bondage. But when I've said that in the secular world, they're like, we're whips and chains. That's where they go. Oh, really? Because we're so used to saying that That's in right. a church bondage setting. in a church setting is does like, not. Yeah. yeah. So you even like you, you don't know. Like I would say that. and, and Well, I have <laughs> never said the word bondage where someone made that connection. Well, I said it once. I said, I think we're in bondage. And the person laughed and they made that. You know, or kinky. You can't Trent. You can't uh, take your Christianese into. You can't. Other settings. Now, that might have been an Irish thing, though, because it. It is. It yeah. Might, it, like I might have said it to an Irish person, and that they interpret it that way. Okay. All right, I'm tired too. It's time well, uh, to wrap have, this up. I've been hour. like, I hope. Do you think that was like a really boring podcast that we know. just talked about? It was basically me interviewing you. Well, I yeah the entire I mean, time yeah. Oh, I appreciate that. I, 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 uh, yeah, I was worried about that too, but you know what? Uh, so what do you think, Brian? We talked about you being 50 for yeah. a year now, how it was, how you felt about turning 50. We talked about, uh, your work life and your dad life, how they inform one yeah. another. And then we kind of, became esoteric after that talking yeah. about profound questions and right. solutions yeah is there anything else that you would like to add any advice that you would have for me as someone who just turned 50 and who did not feel very great about it um yeah we talked about, i'm sorry we talked about you turned 50 but we talked about me turning 50 a year ago right so what do you have any what would you like to say to me should or I, anyone I else have coming asked you into more 50... questions, right? Brian, why yes. do you do this all the time? Because I, I, uh, I don't know. Any advice for? Well, it's hard because I'm a guy, right? It's, why so, does it make a difference? You're a person, aren't you? I'm a person, but I'm not going. To, I don't go through menopause. Well, I didn't ask you to inform me on menopause. Obviously, you can't yes, speak I, into I, that. I'm, well, I am an expert on menopause. No, you're not. Um. So, uh, advice for people turning fifty. Yeah, or what do you? Is there anything you want to? Yeah, I'd say fifty is words the new... of encouragement or anything. Oh, I, yeah, I I feel great. I feel physically great. I feel, yeah. men, I feel the best. I mean, I I feel like I, again, I feel internally like I I felt when I was sixteen. Mm-hmm. And some of that, like that, could be a midlife crisis. Um. What do you mean? Do you feel really immature, and you're gonna go? No, like I'm not going to buy a red sports things. car and I'm not going to go cheat on you. <laughs> but I, I do find like, uh, for example, uh, oh, I don't want to go off on a tangent too far, but in, I was in a coaching class yesterday and I introduced myself and the guy said, 
after people introduced themselves, he would he would tell them what he was sensing from mm-hmm. them that moment, right? He goes, I've been in Ireland. He goes, I sense in you the embodiment of the Irish pub culture. Yeah. And it's probably one of the nicest compliments I've ever heard. Because mm-hmm. the way it landed was like, it, I had all these images of when I was younger and we'd be in the pub and we'd laugh and we'd joke and we'd... And it's like, I want that again. I want to be yeah. that person who's not so caught up in how I'm coming across mm-hmm. and to just be, have fun and yeah. laugh and joke, all of that stuff. So yeah. so when I say going back to 16, like there was, there was a part of me there that I've left behind that I want back. I don't mean the immaturity part of it, but I mean yeah. the lightheartedness, the ability to to laugh Mm -hmm. uh, and the ability to have fun yeah so um yeah it's it's uh am i a fun spouse uh, you are yeah yeah you are fun so i think yeah you how could i be more more fun fun. could i do i need to be more fun or um i don't think you can be more fun but you can put yourself into an environment where you have more fun oh that's true I don't know what that looks like for people, but yeah. Well, I figured like making more memories and doing more fun things. Like you had planned a really nice birthday for me, going yeah. to restaurants. You had made a lot of reservations so that you would have just the right place chosen for us, yeah. which was very nice. Um, but then I thought of going to the Pearl and yeah. hanging out there because I thought it would be more of an organic experience and yeah, just give us more freedom to hang out as opposed to being like in a table at a restaurant yeah where you're more confined right you know and i felt like that was a good choice it really turned out yeah it was a very lovely evening because we just we were really able to just hang out and be together yeah why did i why am i sharing that because i felt like i would like wanted to make have the have like a really full experience yeah you know, enjoying you guys, enjoying the weather, enjoying the city of San Antonio, the food here, like just yeah, uh, yeah, opening myself up to that fun, yeah, the possibility of a good time. So, the, did you finish that? Yeah, even though it was rambly and no, 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 it was good. Well, stupid. It didn't because I don't. If you hadn't done it, I don't know if I would have had this thought. And I think that not. I think the thought is that when I say put yourself in situations where you have more fun, mm-hmm. where my mind went to when you were talking was your budget. Like, mm-hmm. does your budget reflect the kind of person you want to be? And and does your budget reflect putting you in those places of fun? So here's an example, right? When I it was, does, except in one area of my life. Yeah. Can I? I was yeah, kind go of, ahead. It was, a, it was a question for me. Go ahead. <laughs> but then I want to hear your answer. Um. So, uh, well, no, I'm confused. No, not confused. No, tell me your answer. No, 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 no. I want you okay. to finish. Well, so I go buy these Audis, right? Uh-huh. I, I think they're expensive. And it's like, man, that'd be fun. Yeah. But I think it would be fun for me, mm-hmm. to be honest. I would have fun driving it for a while. But then yeah. I think of how much that thing costs. And I think, yeah, that'd be fun. But, but I could make 50 trips back to Ireland with that money and I could sit and talk to old friends and my brothers and I could be giggling and laughing in the See, back, back of the pub. that's way more fun than having that car. Exactly. So I think that's where it comes in. It's like, do I really want to spend all those Can thousands of dollars? Can I just say it? Cars are effing 
stupid. Well, they, they do help to get you from A to B. No, I'm not talking about their functionality. Yeah. I'm talking about making a status symbol of who you are uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. by the effing car that right. you put your foot in. I know. And sit in to drive somewhere. Who gives a shit? Well, if someone wanted to donate about your one, car, if, I was, if someone donated one, to why me, are why why are we like I this don't as know, people? I don't know. But I'm just, why do we care what house people live in, what freaking clothes they drive, what I mean, so, clothes yeah. they wear, car they drive, how much money they make? It's yeah. bullshit. All of it's bullshit. No, I have to mark this with an E. Or not, or NA, whatever. Well, that's infuriating. No, I hear you. It's Listen. infuriating that we. Why does this stuff matter but to I would, us I would, so much? When I was much? in my twenties, I'd want to buy a new car and I'd enjoy it for about well, a month. Of course, we like things. Everybody likes things. But it doesn't. I like us, stuff too. I but it's but like, stuff, why do we think it's so important? So I want to. So I think we should spend our money more on, on less on stuff and more on experiences. Now, when yes, I say experiences, experiences I, I, are like, the best. Like, I'm not saying be ridiculous. Like I like I want the experience of of if my kids want to be trained in a certain place or go to a college and they, and they graduate and it helps them earn a living. That's an experience, right? Right. right. That's a valuable thing to put money in education right. for. Okay, what were you gonna say when I said about putting your? Well, no, budget? really, I I'm a very content person. Yeah, you are. Like my friend Jackie was asking me, did I want something for my birthday? And I really, honestly. I really can't think of anything that I want. Yeah. Like, there's no car. I mean, I would take, like, an old black El Camino or something like that. Yeah. I don't... But there's nothing I can think of right now that I could say, wow, that's really going to change my life. That's really going to make me a happy person. If I get that thing, I'm going to be so fulfilled. Like, nothing. Yeah. I really can't. I mean... I thought you said there was one thing you didn't have. Well, no, you asked me about a budget. Yeah. If I had a budget for things. Like, the thing I like to do most in the world is go out to eat. And that's something we do a lot of. Yeah. And I love that. You know what I love more about that? And I love going thrift shopping. That's Um, one of my... And painting. They're going out... But even And working out. Yeah. They're going out to eat. Um, thing uh, I'm realizing like I'm liking I, I like my parents would when they they'd pick a restaurant not just based on the food when they would come to visit Chicago yeah but based on how nice the waitress was and right, the, people. the people yeah and they'd always go based on that too that was a yeah. big part of it too and I'm realizing as I get older like when we go to uh, La Frite like they know us right and they know our name yeah. and, and and like I like that's that's a yeah. big important piece I too, like where a you restaurant know where I can go in and have good food you want to go. Where and everyone at, knows your name. Exactly. Where everyone knows my name. Or not necessarily. No, yeah, but not everyone, yeah. get to know the people there. And right. they're friendly and kind. Yeah. And um, that you feel comfortable. I don't want to go to any place where there's like bitchy people. Like that and woman. Of, yeah. Stuffy people. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah. I don't want to go somewhere where I feel like the clothes that I have on don't match up. Or that the people there think are like looking down on me or right. whatever. I don't like fancy, yeah, yeah, super fancy places. Like yeah. I just don't. That's not my thing. Yeah, I don't like that. Right. At all. What are you doing today? What are you gonna do? Did you already say what you're gonna do today? Yes, I'm working out yeah. this morning, and then I have to 
um, do some touch up on some paintings, probably go grocery shopping. And I'm going to read because Jackie sent me two books. And I've Physical already started books? one. Yeah, she oh, sent nice. me a couple of books for my Did birthday. Did you read that other book, The Unbelievers? I haven't read that one yet. All right, I started listening to it. But um, yeah, I. Yeah, so I'm going to read. It's supposed to be a lovely day. It is. And um, so I want to enjoy that. All right. Enjoy the day. I'm going to try. I re- have to read for class, so I'll try and do that. Yeah, what are you going to do? I'm going to... Oh, bro- and you're going to power wash. Gonna, you gonna you got to power wash the back porch, too. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to get it and let Callum do the power washing, and I'll just stay out of the way, and I'll read. But, I have a cl- but it's a very heady book for class, for the coaching class I'm taking. Yeah. I don't really want to read it, but... I, well, yeah. Brian, it was nice having you on the podcast today. Nice. Thanks for chatting. And, Thanks uh, for asking questions. Interviewing you. So, guys, we started this podcast with no notes. This was completely and very organic See Which Where It we, Goes podcast. We, we know you could tell. That's uh, obvious. And uh, we'd like to thank Sorry our, our if it ed- was really boring. We that shout out to our producer and our editor. No one. No one. Us. Okay. okay. Here we go. Right, That's bye. it. Bye bye.